Hello and welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Welcome to our episode on The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. A great book with a great name that's very annoying to write out all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And it's incredibly irrelevant until the very, very end. (laughs) When she's like, I've never seen such an angry place. And you're like, ah, she said it, sort of. She said the thing. <laughs> I mean, close. it is an angry planet. I don't really know what they were planning on doing with that planet. Uh, I don't think it matters. Who, it hey, doesn't matter. I think the they? point is that we don't really understand the Teremi. Right. I mean, well, the Teremi. I no, I get why they chose that planet. That was explained. I mean, they were talking about how it like solidifies their hold. It like gives them like a place to base themselves, but I didn't really understand why. Well, they chose that specific one because it was, like, a really young solar system that was in the middle of forming. So the Tremere are obsessed with patterns and, like, continuous change according to a pattern, which is solar system formation. Are we starting this off by talking about Tremere? I mean, that would be a weird way to do it, huh? Just go right to the end and come back? We can, though. (laughs) I uh, kind of feel like we're doing that. All right, cool. The Tremere. Okay, the Tremi. Uh I think it's really interesting because, like, the whole book, you're kind of thinking about how there's all these different sapient races, and for the most part, everyone kind of gets along, and, like, everyone sort of makes concessions to deal with everyone else. Like, it seems like universally the Eluans have their voice boxes installed, like, when they're kids. Like, that's just a part of them now. And the idea that, like, there's a race, and really two races, because there's the ones that the Eilawans are fighting, whose name I forget because they're mentioned so rarely, um, that there's, like, any race that's just literally too alien for even this entire society made up of dozens of alien species to understand and, like, bring into their culture. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting to me. Yeah, I agree with that. It's kind of a... It's weird because everyone kind of knows about the Teremi. Yeah. But, like, no one's ever really thinking about them. But everyone's like, oh, yeah, the Teremi, you know, those guys. Yeah, Teremi space. And, like, they show up a little bit in the news cycle, like, with all the shit Rosemary's dad pulled and all that. Yeah, just, like, but, weird um, random stuff. But then, you know, but never really, like, no one's ever talking about them. They just. But people know enough that when they announced that they were joining the GC, everyone was like, well, they've lost their damn minds, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Happy to make some money off of this. It seems like how people would react, like, in the early colonial days of America, if, like, all of a sudden the British were like, all right, and we're inviting the uh, Native Americans to Parliament. And <laughs> Except the, that's kind of an unflattering comparison, don't you think? I mean, yeah, although we don't know anything about the Teremi, so maybe they're actually, like, really cool, and we're, they're just defending their space. We don't know. They seem a little crazy to They do seem a little I mean, crazy. I meant people's reaction is akin to that. Because people's <laughs> Those racists. People's interpretation which I am definitely not a racist. No, but people's interpretation of the Jeremy is kind of similar to the colonial interpretation of the Native Americans. Um Like I guess in a way. Like almost, almost savages that can't really understand how we work and even the Tremi looking back on them. I'm not saying it's a perfect comparison, obviously, but the Tremi looking back on the Galactic Commons and they're all like, oh, those idiots don't actually understand anything about anything. And in <laughs> fairness, the Colonials didn't. But anyway, I just, I'm not trying to bring this analogy all the way. I'm just saying there's more similarities than I think you're <laughs> not trying to die on the sales. <laughs> would, uh, would indicate. 
Yeah, this I is mean, not my true hill. enough. <laughs> One day I'll choose Yeah, a back hill. away from the hill. The, the point is, at least the GC was being like, okay, so you can join us and you'll get the benefits too. Like, that, that is what's interesting. Clearly humanity, well, I guess I should say, like, all of the sapiens. I'm not really sure what the term would be. But, like, galactic society has evolved a great deal and learned a great deal. And there seems to be sort of the idea of, like, a singularity, not necessarily with AI, but the idea that your species has to evolve past the point where you want to kill each other all the time <laughs> in order to join galactic society. Man, that'd be real cool if it got there, huh? It would be super cool. And I, I love the idea that the Exodens are all, like, really pacifistic because they basically got fucked by everything that the humans had been doing up to that point. And they were like, mm -hmm. we're not going down that road again. And they just peaced. And by sheer luck, found, what was it, the Aelons found them? I think the Aelons found them, yeah. Yeah, and, like, so that was fine. I mean, it worked out, but it very easily could have not worked out. So no wonder the Exodens have such a entrenched belief that violence is not the answer to anything yeah and i really kind of i don't know i appreciate that it's also yeah. cool that this this book took into account the fact that the exodens how, how they left earth and the culture of their entire society how it would be so greatly impacted by earth like by by what earth was doing and that it would continue on yeah i mean i, I don't i'm not exactly sure how far ago the accidents were discovered and how long kind of humanity has been part of this galactic society but it's been a bit like it wasn't last year and that kind of their That's culture true. has survived this mashing with other cultures in such a strong way yeah well did you um shoot I started reading the next book and I usually don't do that before we record because then I get all confused about timelines but were you was it in this book that they had the character talking about how humans said like like they remembered humans entering the GC and like being admitted. I mean, yeah, but that was a uh, that was an Andrisk. Their lifetimes might be longer. That's true. Oh yes, it was an Andrisk. It was the Sixes family. Yeah, it was six, one of Sixes's uh, weird, random relations in her feather family. I think that's a um, no, it's not her no, feather, feather family. family. It's, it's her um, hatch family. Her her, her hatch, hatch family. Yeah, the feather yes. family is the crew. I forgot. I know. A little, a little sissy. sissy. I love Andrisk society, but we'll get to that. We'll get there. <laughs> We're still sort of talking about the world as a whole, but I think it's interesting how the Exodens are kind of almost a different species than Solons. Yes, I do like because that. Because the Solons were all the wealthy who abandoned the Exodens, basically. But they all still get along. Like, well, there's no. clearly some tension, but <laughs> it's not like... I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it causes a lot of day-to-day -day problems. No, they're not, like, at war, but they did have to, like, have a, like, a celebration or, like, a, you know, a co-event to show that they can stop fighting each other for five minutes. I imagine they're probably yeah, pretty no. contentious in politics. That's uh, probably very true. But, you know, I think if, like, you know, a, a Solon and a, a, a uh, an accident, like, met in a bar, they wouldn't get in, like, a brawl or anything. But there's definitely right. a lot of official and some unofficial tension. Yeah, I think that probably is a good read. I would also say that the Solons but... probably look down on the accidents. They probably tell themselves it's, like, because the accidents abandoned the solar system and tried to leave humanity behind. But that's really what, that's what the Solons did. But anyway. But the Solons are the ones who benefited from it the most, in a way. Like, the accidents are still... Like, I mean, it's not that the Exodus haven't benefited, but really 
the Solons are the ones like running their businesses, getting rich, hanging out on Mars. Like they kind of get the best of both worlds. They don't have to be nomads. And I'm sure the Exodens are happy as nomads now, but there was a lot of sacrifice that went into that. That's true. I like, like immediately, Cece, what did you think of when you started learning about the Exodent kind of situation? Uh, well, I've been playing Mass Effect, so... So the Quarians! Um, the Quarians. <laughs> yes! You too? Uh, yeah. I... Wait. Hang on, did you start playing Mass Effect because the soundtrack of this book reminded you of Mass Effect? No, I, the, my starting playing Mass Effect again, which has been very limited, but I did poke around in the first uh, Mass Effect a bit, fair bit, as, uh, was pretty independent of this. Okay, because I, I started playing this, like, the day after I started this book, because I still haven't beat Mass Effect 2. This is sorry. you never this beat Mass Effect 2? I have tried to, like, I have Wait. to try it and fail. I've just sort of tried and then stopped trying. Does that mean you didn't play Mass like, Effect 3? Like, I'll get three? to a certain point and then lose interest. No, I've never played 3. I've watched, like, three different people start 3, though. Oh, CC. I know, I know. We'll I'm ta- underway. We'll talk offline, but... We'll talk later. <laughs> but I was like, no, it's time. Like, because the soundtrack in the beginning of this book especially must really reminds me of Mass Effect. <laughs> All right. I know. It's been many years all right. coming. So I'm assuming we're moving on from the from the Tremi. That was pretty all, much, all we had to say. Uh. Yeah, well, the only other thing about the Tremi is the idea of agreement and, like, strength of ideas. And it's really interesting the way they kind oh, of, yeah. like, start to unveil that. And then all of a sudden it becomes really clear that that literally cannot coexist with a galactic society made out of different sapiens and everything. Yes, it's... I'm honestly not even sure it's that. It's the fact that they regularly, like, in their politics and in their their whatever government structure, I'm just going to call it parliament or something, um, but in their, their representative body, though, they're arguing all the time and fighting and... Because I think the Triumphs would be cool with it if the Galactic Commons was united and, and and committed to the same ideal. But they're just obviously not. And the Triumphs right. never really came to terms with the fact that once you get above a certain number of people, unless you take it to the religious fervor extreme that the Triumphs do, you're never going to have 100%, uh, what do they call it, um, consensus. Yeah. Uh, it is... It is just an interesting idea. Like, I wonder how that possibly could evolve societally, that everyone has to agree externally and internally. Like, I thought it was really interesting that, um, was his name Tomb, the Tarami that we saw the perspective of? He felt disagreement brewing in him, and to him that was equivalent to not being a part of his clan anymore. And, like, he was trying to fight it and trying to fight it and trying to fight it, but, like, truth is so important to them. And, like, I guess opinions are so important to them that he, like, couldn't even lie about it when asked. And Uh he knew that because of, like, the strength of his conviction, he couldn't be a part of things anymore. And then it is implied, goes on to attack the Wayfarer. I just think it's a a really interesting societal construct. I mean, and, and it is, like I said, the reason that they really couldn't be a part of the GC because, you know, even the characters express, they're like, they're all in discord all the time. There's too much disagreement. We can't live like that. It's not our way. It's like almost heretical for them. Mm-hmm. I wonder, because I thought a lot about like where the Taremi homeworld is. Because as far as we can tell, every single Taremi clan or all the Taremi live in space on ships and race around the galactic core. Yeah, that was what was implied. So 
And even stated that they were quote unquote space bound species. Yeah, and so I wonder kind of what, like where the, where their homeworld is, if there is a homeworld that has Teremi on it anymore. Because I could see them having left the homeworld, and then eventually, you know, when you're in space, you have to commit to an idea. Like you can't have a lot of disagreement when you know all your lives are on the line. So if they left, maybe fleeing like a disaster <laughs> or something. I could see That's it being true. like That's very we have to band together and we have to stick to the same ideas, and I could see that over centuries evolving into the 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 cult like following that consensus has in the the Taremi that we see in the story. Yeah, no, that actually is a really good point, and the you know the idea of clans could come from like ships or armadas that initially set out. Mm-hmm. Like I could totally see how that would evolve. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know, it just seemed very, like, authoritarian, the idea that, like, anyone disagreeing with you is a danger to your society and they have to be taken out. I want to know who the new mothers are, because they sound like what they were described, they sound like hermaphrodites. Um, uh, no, they weren't hermaphrodites. They were, like, you know how some species can change genders? Yeah. Like, at will? Well, not at will, but, like, Over time, due to certain conditions, will change genders, like, later in life. Um they that 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 started happening like spontaneously like they didn't have that as a part of their biology before then it started oh so they evolved and then some clans were in support of the new evolution somewhere okay yeah basically okay they took it to mean different things they interpreted it differently interesting all right well that's the tremi yeah that's the tremi what do you want to talk about next um how about the grum Oh my god. Yeah, let's get sad. Dr. Chef. Dr. Chef is the is coolest. so dear to me. I love him so much. I just want to talk to him about all my problems. Do- and we all need a Dr. Chef. Have him sew up any parts of me that need stitches, and I just want to spend time with him and eat his food. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Chef seems like the most delightful sentient. Uh, and my love for him only grew oh my god. during the conversation that he had with Rosemary. And, like, the way he was thinking about it, and he was like, Rosemary needs me to access grief today. And, like, he's just got such a thoughtful way about him. Like, everything he does is so deliberate. It's so beautiful. And, like, the way he thinks about, you know, grief and feelings and how he can, like, sort of observe them from afar, but he still has to fight to keep them from taking over him. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that for people that are dealing with grief, like, today or as people. Like, yeah, you can, totally. I mean, that is good advice, straight up. Yeah, you can appreciate and observe and, like, acknowledge the grief without letting it completely consume you. A lot of people, when they suffer great loss or a, a great trauma like that, just lose themselves in it. And Right. I Yeah. It, it's, you know, I, think, I don't think I've ever heard it described quite so well as, like, don't lose yourself in, in the grief or the, the torment, but acknowledge it. Don't bottle it up, but also don't embrace it. Right, you're not supposed to shy away from it, but you're not supposed to die then. Yeah. And, like, surround yourself with it. Like, at first you need to live in it for a while, but eventually you have to emerge, and it's still there, but you can't be in it forever. Honestly. And I feel like Dr. Chef really described it very well. Yeah, if I ever have to uh, describe that to someone, or, like, I never know someone that's going through some hard stuff, I'm going to reach back to Dr. Chef. We should all reach back to the Dr. Chefs <laughs> inside of us. <laughs> I hope, yes, I hope I have some Dr. Chef philosophy inside of me. I, uh... But, um, I mean, you have to speak to, like, the fact that he has a very, like, he's been able to find a second life away from all that horror that, like, 
has given him so much peace and fulfillment in his older days because he was able to do that with his grief and he didn't just drown in it. Yeah. That story... He was able to adapt and grow and overcome. Yeah. That story, like, broke my heart. It was the saddest shit I've ever heard. Mm, I know. I'm talking about all the daughters that were lost and... Like, oh, the idea of the organ cutters, it's so dark. And what an interesting species. Because yeah. you see Dr. Chef who, you know, like, they, they're they made, their laughter is, like, music, kind of. Like, yeah. the multiple vocal cords and all that. Like, it's a really kind of a beautiful species. And I don't know. And lovable, yeah, too. Yeah, very... I mean, I just picture him as a giant caterpillar the whole time, like Heimlich from the Movox Abundance. He has legs. six legs, so maybe. He's six, right? Six? I think it was six. <laughs> it's like, literally, I just realized the, the picture I had well, in my Who's that? Like, not quite, but almost. Uh, I kind of imagine, like, a ball. Like, like a round, like, central torso with six legs coming off in various parts. Oh, yeah, really? That's what I imagined. Well, I got a real caterpillar vibe. But anyway. Um, but regardless, like, you... You imagine Dr. Chef like that, and then you also think about, like, the hardened soldier grums in the war. Yes, I know. Who are, like, slaughtering each other to the point of extinction. And, I don't know, You, I think about people a lot and the shitty things we do to each other. You know, because yeah. I'm a sadist, I guess, and I want to make myself feel pain. Because uh, I like being yeah, sad. Yeah, I just like being sad sometimes, <laughs> so I think about the shitty things people do to each other. And... <laughs> I also think about like sometimes like people do something that are really good or really kind and it, I sometimes have issues like I guess oh what's the word I think that's exactly what I was thinking of I have issues reconciling those two images of humans and I think that's kind of a fun like not fun that's the wrong word it's a it's a nice similarity <laughs> to draw between the Grum and humans and to kind of nail home the idea of the Galactic Commons that sentience aren't so different. We may look different. We may have grown up in different societies or different uh, different ecosystems like the Andrists are cold-blooded, humans are warm-blooded. Like We came from different evolutionary lines, but at the end of the day, sentience are sentience and we can all do awful things. Yeah, and I mean, the Hermagians were... Like, like a horrible um, warlike conquering species. Conquering, yeah, and like subjugating other species. Like, humans could do that if we were ahead of the game technologically. Like, we're totally capable of that. We've shown it before. I like to think that today we wouldn't get away with it, but historically, there's some evidence that says we might. Yeah, and... So it seems like a lot of the weaknesses are the same. The attraction to power and wanting to exert influence and... I finding reasons to hate people you don't need to hate. We are very good at that. If there's nothing else, humans are very creative at finding reasons to hate people. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> but even Dr. Chef says that at the, at the beginning. He's like, you know, you and I are pretty different. Like, our species are really different, but we're both really good at killing ourselves, so <laughs> we've got that It's like, yeah, common. but at least you guys, like, you guys didn't totally do it. You still have a chance you know don't yeah don't screw it up basically but it's brought up by somebody at some point that like the only reason humans hadn't done like we basically almost did that it was sheer luck through the, again the actions of the exodus that we were spared that fate but like we by all right should have been wiped out by our own folly yeah. 
I mean, they, they. I think it was it was one of those beginning of chapter excerpts, and it was like a politician when they were debating whether or not the humans could join the GC. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Or become a member species. Good call, good call. And they were saying that he, like every other species had to pass the test of stopping fighting with itself and stopping killing itself. And humans never really had a chance to pass that because one group decided, well, both groups in the end decided just to bail. Right. Which... <laughs> well, I'm gonna go over here. You do what you want. Yeah, it's like when two toddlers are fighting, and then the parents like just put them in different corners, and they're fine. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not fighting anymore. Well, yeah, but you also separated them. And they can't. Yeah, fight. they're gonna have to make exactly. up eventually. And you see a little bit of that. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, let's talk about another species, though. You want to talk about Andrus the whole time. I love Andrusks. I think they're so cute. <laughs> Cece, inappropriate. <laughs> they're just like, like, okay. Yes, they have a lot of public sex, but that's just a cultural difference. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, I think it's, I think it's a very interesting take on a society. Like the idea that physical contact is very important to them. And like not, not just sexual contact, but like, just cuddling and touching and like poor Sissix trying to hold all that back because she knows it makes everyone uncomfortable. That was nice. <laughs> she can't cuddle her feather family. Um, and like, I really, I really loved the scenes of Sissix and Ashby because like Ashby sort of understands Andrisks better than everyone else. So she can like be snuggling up on him and he doesn't find it. Like he doesn't think of it as being inappropriate just because it's her expressing like affection or comfort, but like, you know, friendliness. Yeah, too. exactly. But he does make a point of saying, hey, please don't do that when... Oh, is it Poe? He's like, yeah, what's your uh, name? Pay. Pay. Oh, he's like, please don't do that when Pay's on board. <laughs> he's like, I, like, I get like, it. He's like... She'll probably get it, but yeah, let's not like, risk I realize this is all cool for you, and like, I know it's not romantic, but like, it just makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which no, is that fair. is funny. I mean, so it's just like, oh, yeah, you got me. You're right. <laughs> but she's cool about it. But no, like, I, I feel like the Andrisks are the only species that is like, we were kind of crushing it before. <laughs> Everyone was fine. Like, they don't really have a lot of problems, it seems like. Yeah, we don't really need the Galactic Commons. We're just doing it because we're great and altruistic. Yeah, for serious. And also a weird Mass Effect parallel. They, like, reminded me they of They totally the remind me of the Asari. Loki. Like, they're different, but they're... Yeah, like, the Asari are warm-blooded. What else? <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, the Asari um, in the Mass Effect series are hypersexualized, which makes some things yes. weird in that series. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do an episode... Do you mean, like, the sex murderer? What? Oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, should I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Anyway, but, like... We should do an episode on Mass Effect universe. For real, for though, real. it is a great universe, and is very 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 rich in content yeah we'll have we'll to actually yeah we'll have codex. to find a book uh <laughs> this episode's on the mass effect 2 codex <laughs> <laughs> well we found an excuse to talk about the halo universe well damn we'll find an excuse to talk about the mass effect universe <laughs> there's lots of mass anyway, effect books anyway um, we'll stop talking about mass effect we promise. until our episode but anyway so until our episode the answers though are like really <laughs> kind of almost like very noble and very diplomatic and they just like want everyone to get along and they're also one of like the oldest species that reached out and tried to find the stars so yeah 
But they and are like, the Asari. It's interesting. And welcome to thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> but no, like I think about how a lot of human societal ills would be kind of cured by living like antrics. Like they all seem pretty chill. Like if you want to leave your feather family and get a new feather family or like make a hatch family with someone else, like it seems that nobody really takes it too personally. Like, everyone's just living their best life out here. The whole idea that, you know, obviously they're, by human standards, sexually promiscuous, but that's... And so, like, obviously you end up with fertilized clutches, but, like, there's such a beautiful way of dealing with that, which is you go to somebody you love, you go to somebody you trust who has a Hatch family, and you ask them to raise your children for you, and, like, that's just a part of their society, so therefore nobody ends up raising kids that they don't want. Man, wouldn't that be great? Like everyone, like every kid gets raised by a family. Could you who loves imagine? Them. Could you imagine? Like, there's a lot of societal <laughs> Such a ills thing. today, especially that are just yeah, rooted like, in that. Like, it's not just the idea of like abortion no, or no, like no. unwanted pregnancies or anything like that. It's also the idea that like people have these babies and they're not prepared to deal with them, and like they didn't really plan on this, and they just become like either a source of resentment or just neglect like and then the kid gets messed up and then they have messed up kids you know it's just it feeds back on itself andrews don't have that problem and we've compounded it over like the last century especially but andrews have solved that problem pretty elegantly and i love when sissix and rosemary are talking about and sissix is like laughing at the concept of humans having children in like their 20s and i'm like yeah it's kind of ridiculous like we're not not prepared for that we are not (laughs) equipped let alone in their teens like we get fertile when we are still kids Uh, as of current society like it is literally kids having kids out here Uh, yeah and like like, what the fuck are you supposed to do what do you know that you're gonna tell this kid six is like that's dumb and we're all like yeah it is super right it's very dumb and she's like how like why would someone give up like what they want to do like why would they stop kind of trying to do their thing and study what they want to study and be who they want to be to raise these hatchlings at like 20 and i'm like yeah you you got us you kind of right, man. But, like, then like, that's when you're the most fertile, and that's when it's, like, easiest to conceive. I mean, honestly, like, there's a lot of people uh, who are having trouble conceiving kids. Like, I know a lot of people who have had trouble conceiving because they started later in life. Because, like, hey, listen, women want careers. Like, we want to live our lives and get educated and travel and do all sorts of things before we have kids. And sometimes that causes, like, problems because, really, we're designed to start having kids when we're 14. Yeah. It's a bad design. If we did just a little kid exchange like they do in the Andrus world, then we'd be okay. Child secret Santa. Like, you raise my kid now, I'll raise that kid's kid later. It's going to be fine. Yeah, give and take. I'm just saying, it's... (laughs) I mean, it also helps that, like, apparently most hatchlings die. Yeah, they're not considered people. They're they're a little cold (laughs) about that, but... I I found that very funny every time she's like, they're not people (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) It's so cold, but, like, you know, when you're talking to a baby, I mean, obviously we don't think of them that way, but, I mean, they're not really people yet. And we actually always use that term in our family, Peter, where we're like, oh, it's so fun, like, watching them become their own people. That's true. 
<laughs> and yet it seems messed up to hear somebody be like, yeah, they're not people. We, we say that as if implying that they are uh, are not currently people. We never say it outright, but we do definitely right. heavily imply it. That is the implication. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, Andrew's out here doing it right. For real, though. And I just love that, like, that whole... I got goosebumps when they were talking about how the ship is her feather family. I know, like, right? so beautiful. Love her. Oh, who you um, want to talk about next? You pick. I picked Andrusks. Yeah, but I totally. I said Andrusks, and you said yeah, sure. Or how about the Cyanets? <laughs> Let's talk about the Cyanets. We're just like going through this by species. Uh, is this racist? It's specious. I don't think it is. It's species. It's okay though. Humans don't care. <laughs> they very much used the term species a lot, and it was funny. Uh, I like that lizard was a horrible slur word. Just, just real quick while I'm still on Andrusks. Just one last thought. Hey, Peter, not on my podcast. Oh, shit, okay? sorry. That's my bad. That's not cool. But, like... <laughs> no, but yeah, I, mean, I get it. Fair. But also, like... What? I imagine... It sounds I good to us. I imagine there's some sort of huge, like, it became a thing, and, like, it's associated with a lot of humans, like, saying mean shit about the Andrus. I'm sure there's, like, a context to their society that we're missing. But just hearing him go, like, oh, you lizard. Oh, sure. And I'm like... I mean, I mean, fair. Like, to, compared to human animals, she probably shares the most genetic structure with lizards. Yeah. Well, there was, there was that whole article, like one of the excerpts talking about how there are these biological analogs on different planets. Like everyone has something that another species looks like to them, and how that's often yeah, used. Yeah, that a was slur. interesting. Uh, it, I it's so funny because I always love when they do that sort of scientific analysis of a world and I'm like wow isn't it wonderful that the universe is like that I'm like okay CC so like, damn fiction. it <laughs> comes I... together <laughs> I like totally buy into it for a minute though I'm like yeah that's amazing like the fact that everyone has brains and DNA and like similar biological ecosystems in a way like, fuck fiction 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 and then I realized that's the that sad part of sci-fi for me <laughs> wishing it was real we've talked about this before yeah that's like like, how I'm mad God. that I don't get to, like, live into the sci-fi world. Like, I'm stuck oh here gosh, in the now. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, I'm sitting here, like, talking to you on a phone, recording on a computer that is, leap like, unimaginable compared to 50 years ago. So. Right, we're living yeah, in the science fiction of 50 years ago. Yeah, and, like, they didn't imagine, like, we were talking about the Foundation series, and they're talking about, like, yeah, look at this microtape. And it's, like, just smaller tape, like, cassettes. Like, they didn't imagine that we developed digital storage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't they totally yeah, still they use did. punch cards? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like, this is the sci fiest of sci fi compared sci-fi. to that. But I am kind of mad I'll never, like, yeah. in all likelihood, I'll never, like, get to meet or know about another species that actually exists, another sentient species. Yeah. Because I totally feel Rosemary and her academic interests. Like, I think it's really cool that she went to college and got to learn, like, basically how to liaise with different species and stuff like that. Man, That's how to make so po- freaking political cool. science, like, relevant, huh? Like... <laughs> I know, right? And, like, I was kind of confused when they were talking about clerking and her being, like, documents, and then also, actually, she's a liaison, and, like, 
like what is this job it's a weird job but i guess it's sort of like an that's what it sounds like to me yeah but it sounds like it's a lot harder when you're dealing with all these different species and god knows she saved their ass more than once with yeah that and she's like remembering weird set, languages so including like hand talk of a species that like is made of jello yeah and she like was able to decode how ashby insulted the uh the bird people who attacked their ship probably Uh, definitely a racist term um wow good pull cc wait a second (laughs) hold on there's a uh, there's a species of dungeons and dragons i think it's literally akarak like i think you're right well, we but can look at there's that. a bird, there's an alien species, or it's like Akaran or something in Dungeons and Dragons that can fly, that you can play as. Anyway. I, I would not be surprised if the author of this book, Becky Chambers, right. I think, is that right? Uh, is a D&D fan and maybe put that in as an Easter egg. I would believe I'm not it, sure. but anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, did you also think Rosemary had been involved with something way more sinister? Like, not that what her dad did wasn't sinister. Oh, I sinister, thought she was, like, a smuggler. But, like, the way she... Or something. Or, like... Yeah. Or, like, she was like, oh, it wasn't my fault. And I was like, oh, some terrible crime happened. I mean, I guess some terrible crime did happen. But it seemed like she actually got implicated in it. Like, yeah, she then you found out from the, the law. law showed up. Not, like, I'm just trying to avoid my dad's yeah, bad reputation. Yeah, you the law showed up and was like, yeah, listen, we know this isn't your fault. Like, you're good. But, like, do you know anything about your dad? You don't even like, have to yeah, testify. We just, like, want an uh, indication of where to move next. They're, the law enforcement was real cool about <laughs> Those this. Those are bad. Honest. They were. They really she's, were. She's like, yeah, they showed up. They're like, yeah, we yeah, believe we that you're not involved. We believe you're involved. I don't know. If that happened today, like, she might get off, but she'd get taken in and, like, in, like interrogated. For sure. Yeah. And, I mean, I get, I kind of get what she's saying about, like, she couldn't escape the sort of mar of her dad's name and reputation. And... I don't know, like, as much as everyone was like, no, we love you, Rosemary, like, it doesn't mean anything, that's your dad's choice, it's not yours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, there is a chance that, like, nobody would have looked twice at her application if they yeah, had known who she absolutely. was. You, you don't want that in your office. No. <laughs> it is ironic, though, that she then went and broke laws <laughs> to avoid the, like, smear from somebody who broke very big laws. And even though she hadn't that's gotten involved point. in that part of things. Like, she ended up breaking the law. But it's cool. I get it. Yep. Sort of. I'm just like, it was really nice how everyone was like, like her whole conversation with Jenks really warmed my heart. And when he's like, oh my God, I thought you were going to say something terrible. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> this is fine. He's like, hang on, wait, were you involved? And she's like, no. And he's like, then we're fine. It's cool. I don't know what you're worried about. And I just think of the catharsis that it must have brought for her to like, kind of come clean to everybody yeah. and be embraced. It's lovely. Then- it was lovely. Kind of like, um, then like moving on and eventually developing a, I wouldn't say relationship, but I mean, yeah, a relationship of sorts with Sussex. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to find that. I guess relationship applies to platonic and romantic. Yeah, you're right. But it's, it's both, I suppose. It's both in a way. Yeah. And the idea that she could be like mature and self-possessed enough to be like, Hey, I know that this means something different for you. Like I'm on board with that. It's fine. Like, I just want this, and if you want it too, then we can, like, have something here. I know, it's really yeah, nice seeing that development. That, like, Sissix could have really yeah, exactly. a whole family now. And I really, I felt like to Rosemary's approach to her, like, oh, it's sad that Sissix can't have, like, a real family because she chooses us. And, you know, it was, yeah. it was nice, and also a wee bit disconcerting, but also nice uh, with Rosemary, who was like, yeah, let's, you know, 
do this thing. Yeah. Have sex. Uh, let's go for a little tumble. <laughs> um, but it was it was also really sweet to six in turn like trying to make concessions be like hey listen i know sex is more emotionally like weighty for humans so like if you just want to do the cuddling part that's fine too <laughs> it's just sweet it was, like the whole thing was very sweet like they just love each other because they're family but they're also you know more than that to right. rosemary um, and not to six again yeah. how to talk about in human uh, terms oh wait real quick about the andrews i was thinking that they probably evolved that like very uh Um, that very <clears throat> touchy society because I feel good like lizards in their nests you know making that analog very racist I know but they like climb all over each very other racist. they pile up stuff like that and it, I imagine if, oh that's true yeah if that you species like a pile of snakes. being sentient <laughs> they wouldn't just lose that humans still do shit that we evolved That's before true. we were ever sentient, I'm sure. I don't, I don't have a specific example, but I'm sure there's examples. No, yeah, that makes uh, perfect sense. You're right. I hadn't thought about it in a term of a, like reptilian behavior that we know, but yeah, it's totally yeah, true. Exactly. There's always like, little lizard piles. Anyway. <laughs> Racist. Damn, Racist. it's easy. <laughs> Can't stop. We're going to get the double explicit tag from re- iTunes now. <laughs> Rated X. Um, <laughs> we'll never get any listeners that way. Anyway, um, all right, we start. We were going to talk about the science, and then we reeled right back into that. Oh yeah, because we talk about interspecies racism. Andrews. Yes, um, the cyanids are extremely interesting. I think they're my like. I love the andrus. I think they're like my favorite one. They're my favorite species just to know more about. Like I want to know the cyanids so badly. Yes, and it's like, oh man, Peter, you know that that's just like my my sweet spot, like. A virus that has influence over the way you view the world and, like, try not to think of the virus as sentient. Because it's not. Mm-mm. It's a virus. Mm-mm. That's my shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we discovered the Descalada. <laughs> to, to become. To come also soon. fictional. <laughs> I was talking about the Descalada to excess. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get we'll do the episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like... I, it's always been a, a point of interest for me, the idea that, like, viruses act as though they are self-interested, despite obviously not having... They're not sapient, you know? It's a virus. It's well, probably. It's a collection of molecules. I mean, so are we all, but it's a very simple collection of molecules Well, like that exists some... as machinery to reproduce itself. I mean, there are some viruses that are, like, a gene, right? Like, they're super small. Yeah, I mean, HIV, think of the de- devastation that has... Put on uh, that's like nine genes, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I think it's ten genes. Yeah, so that's. Tiny. That's not big. <laughs> it's not complicated. It is extremely simple. That's the most basic. It's very good get. at doing what it does. But what it yeah. does is like it's like an accident. It's a pure freaking chance that it it came to be. Viruses, man, that's just my jam. But like. The, the way they talked about it, it, it seemed almost a struggle for the author and definitely for the characters to talk about the neurovirus of Ohan's because, like, A, Ohan's people, the cyanids, saw it as a gift. Were they saying that the gift was the Whisperer or the yes, gift was the, from the Whisperer? No, the, the... I know, I, was it the Whisperer's gift? I think it might have been that. I think it might have been the Whisperer's gift. Yeah, so Ohan's people basically worship the virus it seems like and to some degree and, i'd agree with that yeah and the solitaries 
talk about it almost like like in terms of it's controlling you because yeah it affects your perception of the world because of its effects uh-huh and it, and it it affects your perception of it because that's something that you would evolve as a virus like a virus would evolve if if it were possible a virus would want you to want to have it <laughs> that is the ideal circumstance for a virus like yeah they can get you, you to you're not yourself. interested in treating me so i'm going to survive and propagate and continue to exist and reproduce that's evolution folks right it's just, it was very interesting like that sort of tension of like okay yeah it's a virus but like the science worship it. Everyone else fears it because they feel like it's controlling the science, but it's not directly controlling the science. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Am I making any sense? Yeah, I I think so. And it's oh, it's weird. It's very weird. And the science <laughs> are a are interesting. And but I don't like what it does to the to the pairs. Like I like the fact that they can see in subspace. That's pretty cool. That's they could do incredibly amazing. complicated mathematics on paper in like seconds. I know. I'd probably take the whisper. Yeah, they they understand concepts that we never dream of, but you kind of hear Ohans when he's talking from his percept or their perception is like, you know, I don't. I wish I knew how to describe to this crew how much they mean to me and how much their efforts mean to me, and yeah, like wishing they could do him. it. And it makes it makes them feel so separate, please them makes them feel so separate from the whole crew, and kind of almost lobotomizes their emotional sensor, <laughs> like their emotional comprehension. Yeah, that's kind of a good way of putting it. Like you're so you're so on a different plane intellectually that you can't interact like meaningfully with regular people and i almost wonder because it doesn't seem like signet pairs interact with each other even really that much i mean typically there's like, one on a ship and they just sit on the sh- like that they just go with a ship or they go with a research team yeah but i mean they were saying that when they got to that colony with all the solitaries the fact that the solitaries were touching each other was even amazing mm-hmm. N- not just that they were willing to touch the humans well uh, i think that stems from the fact that the cyanate pairs are so obsessively f- scared of anything that could affect the virus. So, like, they eat their stale tube food that comes straight from, I don't remember their homeworld's name, but straight from their nope. homeworld that was produced by those, like, cyanate pairs, or I'm assuming by machinery, honestly, at this point. They like to be super clean, super pure, and only the nutrients right. they need and nothing else that could possibly affect the Whisperer. Right. It's like a pharmaceutical, basically. Yeah, honestly. So that's really kinda, interesting. Yeah, that's... I don't know. They're very cool. I liked hearing the solitaries that were talking about how, like, the, the I forgot, honestly, I don't remember the name, but I, the lead one that was like, yeah, well, I was resisting this, and, like, I could hear it, or, like, he under, feel its impulses, but I could resist it, no problem. Well, not really no problem. Like, it was difficult, but like, I could resist it, and I controlled my high mind as opposed to my low mind. And that was really Yeah, cool. I like the idea of high mind and low mind. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, any guesses? I'm assuming Mass Effect, but I don't know how this time. <laughs> no, it's not Mass Effect. Okay. okay. <laughs> it reminds me of the sleeping mind and the waking mind. I don't know why, it just does. 
Uh, is that a concept from just philosophy in general? No, that's or? the King Killer Chronicles. Oh, that's the King Killer Chronicles word. So yes, actually. <laughs> I mean, because you talk about your conscious and your subconscious, it's not like regular philosophy doesn't have anything to do with those. But right, I yeah. just think about you know the King you think Killer about Chronicles it in those terms. at any time possible. <laughs> Whenever it comes up, really. Yes. Anyway, um, slash I bring it up. <laughs> but so I thought that was kind of a cool a cool concept and like them being able to resist and you know and sensing the whisperer's influence but shoving it off and saying no no thank you i don't want that yeah and i mean sort of thank god that those those resistance exists because they are able to solve the problem i mean it's just so interesting that i mean it's it, again it's like a very evolved pathogenic behavior that even if there is a treatment your host doesn't want to get treated they don't they they consider that horrible and heretical and horrific like ohan was so repulsed by the idea that they were even talking to the solitaries and the solitaries are like you can keep the gifts and lose the dying and everything is going to be great but that idea was so repulsive to ohan and you live like corbin came in out of the blue like a boss yeah corbin redeems every shitty thing he said to sissix i know every time we call her a lizard I love Corbin. Wow. <laughs> He's, I don't like Corbin, but I do love Corbin. You know what I mean? Well, it's because you have great understanding of him. Hashtag yes. Him. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh. And his whole ordeal was so sympathetic. Oh, yeah. Like, horrible. And, like, all because of a thing he didn't understand or know about. And he had no control over. Yeah. It's not like It was he... so sad. Yeah. That's one of, like, the, the worst things about this story when it comes up. It's like, you have declared him illegal because he was brought into the world in a way he had no choosing and you're gonna punish him for it yeah not just you like you have a problem with it and i mean that again speaks to the concessions that has to be made when you have this sort of alliance like it almost reminds me of the un like there are countries in the un that do some unsavory shit but like it's better to have a table that we can talk at than to not and that's where I feel like what's going on with the GC. Like, the, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the people who took him. Do you remember? I don't know. Let's call them tusks. I, was, I kept thinking of, like, dinosaur, like, rhinoceri or something with them. Really? I was picturing lobsters. With, like, masks. But anyway, tusks. <laughs> they, they were so brutal to him. And, like, the conditions were so deplorable and it was just like it was very very disturbing honestly and i felt so bad for him when he was like talking about how he didn't like want to be seen naked and like he was so insecure oh corbin yeah it was Poor a corbin. really great and then i don't i then kind of what was he ever going to do like how could he ever give sissix shit about it ever again like sissix yeah. walked in there and took him out yeah true and, and then know, he has that, like, just that moment with Ohan where he's like, you know what? No, we're not going to lose anybody else. He's like, do I think it's stupid that Jinx is in love with an AI? Sure I do. But he is in love with an AI, and she's dead, and that's horrible for him. So, yeah. like, this crew's falling apart, and sorry, Ohan, but, like, your beliefs don't come first anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, Corbin. I mean, and I, I well, I appreciate that. I also understood I understood Ashby's approach to that. Like, that's his choice and his I know. culture. And I think I would have made the same call as Ashby, to be honest. Yeah. I feel no, terrible I mean, about it. Too. But it's it's morally wrong. And 
you, I think about it like as doctors today, like you can refuse treatment. You can make yourself a, a DNR, do not resuscitate <clears throat> order, and say like, I don't want this treatment. You can do that. It's your right as a patient. And in that way, that's what I thought about yeah. this. Like, yeah. Ohan, Let people die on their terms. Exactly. Ohan saw that there is a, a cure and decided that he would rather stick to his ideals and his beliefs, which were probably virus, like impacted strongly by the virus, but we can't right. prove that definitively. And said, "No, thank you. I will die as like with in the way my people always have." Right. Which is yeah, you know, horrible. But I also would like love if I was Ashby and someone on my crew pulled a Corbin. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. No, I thought it. I thought it spoke well to Ashby's character that he flipped out a Corbin though. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like Ashby is definitely principled. He wasn't doing this reluctantly. Like he really was. Like, I'm going to respect Ohan's wishes, and we're not going to take his agency away from him. Yeah, he wanted Ohan to live as much as everyone else, but he also believed strongly in the personal choice. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's really... I, I don't know. I think that's really great. And I think it's probably necessary if you're going to run an interspecies crew. Like, you have to respect everyone's culture. And his point to Sissex was really good, too. And he's like, what if I told you I thought it was messed up that you don't raise your own kids? Like, and that I want them to come to the ship. He's, and she's like, that's dumb. And he's like, well, that's what you're telling me to do to Ohan, so. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And that's... Yeah. That kind of shows... A lot of people talked about how... Like, it came up frequently how odd and uncommon and wonderful it was that Ashby had his own ship and his own crew. Like a human... What, having a yeah, human with a an A human was leading crew? a crew. Well, the way it was described at all, because and when that, when that um, Andrus was talking, like the humans weren't even in the GC yet when he was like born. And being yeah, a spacer. true. So... I mean, it seems like things are getting better, but... But definitely... You're right. I think at that point it was still an anomaly. Yeah, and I think a major part... Of, and I don't think it's all financial. I mean, like there's definitely affluent humans that could buy a spaceship or build their own spaceship. But yeah. I think it's the in, human leading an interspecies crew and it is mature enough and, like, societally evolved enough as a human to be able to say, no, you know, I have to respect his wishes. I have to respect his culture. Right. So. Yeah. It was really good. I like Ashby a lot. Ashby is really great. Leader. I wish we had more time to talk about this book. Uh, I like a lot I know. more time. He's like, he's, like, a really ideal leader. Like, he is friendly enough and warm enough that you can go to him with like normal problems like hey i'm having a really bad day <laughs> like cheer me up but he's also knows how to turn on the captaincy and everyone respects him more for it you know yeah he's like blueprint of how to be a good leader no really though he is like an excellent excellent character and leader and i i really like ashby we really need to talk about lovey before we run out of time though uh definitely um, and at some point we should also talk about like the science of my of uh, tunneling, but anyway, because this is hey if you have something that to is say the about pretense it. of our <laughs> podcast. I guess. But let's talk about lovey though. Let's talk about lovey. <laughs> okay. Um. So she's great. First of all. Good start. Good start. Um. I like that whole story broke my heart. I like that fully sentient artificial intelligence. First of all isn't the only kind of AI. Like, all right, now we're talking about Mass Effect again. But, like, I liked that Mass Effect has true AI. They're not common, but they exist. And VI. So, like, one is is actual intelligence and one is just a simulation of intelligence. Yes. 
which I thought was Agreed. really interesting. Oh, Halo also has that too. They have dumb AI and smart AI. Yes, yes, yes. I was trying to think which one was it that like the smart AI was scans of actual human brains, whereas the dumb AI was not. Was just it like, was like a, yeah, it was no, it was like a software program. An imitation. Well, it was like programming done. Like it's just people who made a really smart program. Like it yeah. was. I mean, and I think Lovey is a really smart program. But she is a sentient, really smart person. She's so fucking smart, she's sentient, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's programming, like, when, oh, like, very true computer programming. Um, it, anyway. It adds an extra layer, too, when they're talking about how Jenks, like, always gives AIs their time and, like, never treats them disrespectfully. Because they're like, that's not, like, that's not, you know, an intelligent AI. It's not a sapient. And he's like, you don't know. It could be. And he's right. And, like, everyone seems to agree that Lovey's sapient, at least everyone on the Wayfarer. Right, it's not a question. But, like, you know, when you get the random um, doc, doc guard um, AI, everyone's like, come on, Jenks, like, what are you doing? And, but he's like, hey, like, you don't know, it could be sapient. You have no idea. That's fair. But then you also see that, like, while the crew regards Lovey as sapient, and it seems like it's pretty common on ships, especially tunneling ships, to have sapient AIs. First of all, they're right. not regarded as sapients by the GC. The GC doesn't consider AIs people. Yeah, they don't have that legal status. Right. They don't have the legal status. Which is why they can't do body kits or anything yeah. else. And then you even see when they like when they go to when Ashby goes to speak before the the representatives of those species in like a Senate, basically a Senate hearing. Right. He they were like did you lose anyone? He's like, yeah, well, we lost our, our AI, Lovelace. And they're like, okay, so you didn't lose anyone. Good. And it, it was like... <laughs> yeah, and later on he's like, I lost a member of my crew. And they're like, are you talking about the AI? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I'm wondering how much of that is the humans. Because, like, imagine if we just went from... Yeah, com- programs are getting pretty clever. And maybe they can simulate voices, but like, they're not in- intelligent. To meeting a fully-fledged artificial intelligence that is real in every way that matters except a body and trying to reconcile that with them being not fully citizens. I feel like it's a very human response to to um to be upset yeah, about to be that. upset about but also like treat them like they're fully human and not even consider it. What what's the what's the word when you apply human traits to a or when you anthropomorphize when they anthropomorphize the artificial intelligence, yes. Yeah, no, actually, that's totally true because we treat our freaking dogs that way. Yeah, know? exactly. We do it with things that are. And you know what? Dogs. dogs are sapiens. Damn I don't it. care what you say. Dogs are real people, too. Why can my dog not <laughs> vote? Are rights. Dogs should vote. <laughs> um, CZ, no, you know why, yeah, CZ, like, again, we. You know why dogs what? can't vote? You have to be what? 18 to vote. It's the only reason. Oh. Oh, that's sad. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, no, he made me sad. No. No, but, like, we we assign personhood to things that are cute. Or we crush (laughs) them. Because they're cute and we love them. (laughs) Like, let alone a a being that sounds human, that acts human, that, like, makes jokes with you as though it's human. Like, yeah, we're going to believe you're a sapient. Yeah, you could be someone on the radio. And I believe Lovey was a sapient. And I mean, it, it does seem, I mean, it's very reinforced by the fact that you eventually see things from her perspective. Absolutely. Or Lovelace's perspective when she's um, reborn. But that, that really seals the deal, like, if there's any suspicion. But I believed it before then. It was convincing, you know? Yep. And, you know, when you're reading a book, you're like, I'm in the rules of this universe. And in the rules of this universe, people believe that AIs can be sapient. So I believe that, too. Absolutely. 
I did love them talking about, <laughs> I forget what they called it, but it was like the um, activists for sapients. And it just reminded me of PETA so much. Where it's like, where it's like, yeah, I do believe that like AIs are sapient, but that doesn't mean that like, like, but like your message and the way you're delivering it is bad and, and wrong. Oh, absolutely. Like I agree that animals it's, should be treated better. But I also don't think that, like, yes. we shouldn't eat animals. I am going to go make chicken after this podcast is over. Like, I'm probably also going to make chicken after this podcast oh, is wow. over. Not with We're relish, because so I want chickens to suffer just because I like protein. And I'm not hoping that they, like, they bled this chicken with small cuts when they <laughs> butchered it. Like, listen, we're going to kill these animals. Do it humanely. And, like, hey, if we get good representation, like, if we get really good copies of meat that's artificially done and that's what's available i'm not gonna go like i miss the old days when i ate a real cow like no dude especially for beef though because but for me that's environmental concerns oh yeah well because the methane release like they provide a lot of greenhouse gases but did you know it's not farts (laughs) i assumed it was their poop i did too no apparently it comes from the front end (laughs) they breathe methane out they exhale methane (laughs) i know easy have you ever lit a match in front of a cow's mouth <laughs> <laughs> never tried now i will no, no i mean they probably also cow. poop methane but the point is it's not just poop oh, i'm sorry poop. everybody <laughs> they breathe methane shit or they exhale methane i forget i i forget my source on that one i'll try to figure that out maybe i'll post it to the facebook group but <laughs> just so everyone's aware. Right. Um, anyway but anyway but like, yeah no the, the point is it, it strongly reminded me of it and just like more more like the ridiculousness of PETA being like oh drug sniffing dogs are like a crime against them like <laughs> they're really not getting high because it... <laughs> like, <laughs> so no, no, no 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 I know I'm talking to PETA I'm like it's not like we're giving the dogs drugs <laughs> I don't think that's what PETA is <laughs> well, I'm sorry we should either. pay them all working dogs are illegal and immoral yeah, no, they're like, oh, it's exploiting them. It's like, have you ever seen how happy a dog is when it's working? It's like, oh, man, they, they go crazy if they don't have a job to do. But anyway, that's what that The only time I've ever felt bad about working dogs too. when I read the stories about, like, after 9-11, the dogs would, be, like, get sad because they weren't finding live people. Oh, so, like, yeah. the workers would hide in the rubble so they could find someone alive. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've never cared to fact check it. I, if anyone ever sweet. fact checks that, I'm going to punch them in the face. <laughs> if you fact check it and find out that it's not true don't tell me (laughs) also you're a monster you should not do that this is this is harmless ignorance okay (laughs) just let me unlike PETA, which is harmful ignorance (laughs) yes but okay so back to ais in general like it does bring up a lot of interesting questions about free will and like what's preordained and what's not like you could argue that we kind of i mean we don't act like people when we come out of the womb like to Sussex's point, we're not people yet when we're yeah. born. And so we develop personalities, like, I think in a large part through mimicry and so on and so forth, but also through natural predisposition. Um, and AI, like Lovey, come out of the box with a personality. Like, she's already sweet, and maybe she learned to be funny, but, like, she's already super agreeable and, like, caring. Like, we saw from Lovelace's perspective where she's looking at Jenks and, like, oh, my God, this man is wrecked. Like, I have to do whatever I can to help him. And it almost rubbed me the wrong way because it's, like, she is made to be this way. Yeah. 
so like it's not just it's not like her being a good person the same way it's like one of us being a good person you know just because she was so fresh and like that was her instant instinct right but in, but like we don't know enough about how we're formed to understand whether we're that way in the too. same way though like we were raised to be good people i would think like our parents put an emphasis on, so, on some us of us be- are <laughs> you and i specifically are, were raised to like by our parents to generally be good people like they worked very hard to yeah. instill a sense of morality in us and so you could argue True. that that's almost the, that has similarities to what the programmers did when they were making Lovey, like they that's true. put their touches in there. They 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 had an impact on her development by coding her to be kind. It's just it's yeah. just the road you get there is different. It's more direct. One thing about Lovey that I like one conversation her and Jenks had that I loved a lot was Lovey's view on virtual intelligence as opposed to like full intelligence like the the dumb ai's i'm gonna use the dumb ai smart ai now oh that was that was so good because he's like well why aren't you mad about all these dumb ai's who never had a chance to like attain sentience they're just uses workhorses and mundane tasks and she's like well you have like the mule are you mad because the mule can't think or are you happy that the mule is doing its job well and accomplishing what it needs to do yeah, in a weird twist, it comes back to, like, drug-sniffing dogs, you know? They are happy doing what they were trained to do, and they live full lives, and that's fine. Like, they don't need to be able to converse with humans. Yeah, they're fulfilling what they want to fulfill. Like, what they're kind of... I mean, maybe it was chosen for them, but some dogs don't take to it, and then they're fine. Like, we don't kill them because they didn't take to dogs drug-sniffing. We, like, are like, all right, cool. But, Something yeah, I never... Home. Like... I never think that way about the idea of like quote unquote dumb AI. I'm like, I, I don't think that we're there yet with, with our artificial intelligence, but I don't think it'll be long before we have something like a dumb AI. And that really does kind of add a, another option to the idea of as a, is artificial intelligence life? Like is artificial intelligence, does it count as intelligence? And it's like before to me in my mind, there was yes or no. Either it's self-aware or it's not self-aware. I never thought of the idea of it being kind of like a non-sapient living thing. Yeah, that's true. And I think we're going to have to do a lot of adaptations of the Turing test in the future to to figure this out. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's upon us. Like, you see, there's a lot of people that are making, like, programming AI, re- recursive modifications of AIs to create new AIs. Like, I always thought of artificial intelligence, I thought of this for a while, is that like once we start being able to hand off develop like, we're developing AIs to develop AIs at that I'm not saying here like Skynet but I'm saying like that is the point where artificial intelligence research is really going to take off the point where we can say you you work at the speed of a computer which is performing calculations millions and millions of times a second to develop better artificial intelligence like once we hand off more of that to computers then we're going to see a huge surge in our productivity it frightens me, though. It does. But, on the other hand, there's so many horror stories about AIs going rogue and all that because that's the exciting bit. I think almost 100% what's going <laughs> to happen is the AI is going to be bored and go, wow, you guys are a bunch of assholes, huh? And we're going to go, yeah, kind of. Not all of us, though, and we'd <laughs> like to have a shot at surviving, so please help us. Like, I think that's the more likely outcome than, uh, you guys are assholes, you should just die. Do you ever play Lemmings, Peter? Do you ever play what now? Lemmings. Uh, I don't think so. 
Oh, damn it. This metaphor is not going to work on you. But, like, okay, so you have a system that you're designing, right? Okay. Say you're flowing water through it. Okay. You forget about, like, you you just don't think to do this one particular thing. And as a result, you start flowing the water and it, like, goes completely different than you thought. That's what I worry about with AI. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yes. you should have turned this one gate and you forgot to turn this one gate. And so your design, like, all your careful design just goes to shit. Like, yes. it, it seems so easy. It seems so likely to me that there will be gates that we'll forget to turn or just won't even occur to us to turn before we start like having these AIs develop AIs and that's what frightens me I mean that's already starting to happen but yeah. I don't think we're foolish enough and I think these researchers are smart enough um, first of all maybe they have a way to check for this and we're just not educated on it I mean I know a little I'm bit about computer science but I don't know anything about AI development. Right. And so maybe they have found a way to make sure that all those gates are turned, but, or maybe they've made sure they have an AI to watch their back. I don't know. But I also don't think they're foolish <laughs> Hey, enough. AI, are you good? Yes. I'm <laughs> yes. quite good. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> this works really well into our next book, by the way. Um, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. But anyway, and then I find that, like, they're probably going to have safeguards. Like, an air-gapped computer solves the problem. Like, the AI still... You just throw it in the fire. <laughs> in the end of the day, it still can't get from point A to point B unless someone physically carries the box and plugs it in. That's true. Like, I don't think they're doing this on Wi-Fi-enabled laptops or, la like, or like, a supercomputer. <laughs> and, like, oh, yeah, did you guys turn off the Wi-Fi before we started this test? Ah, shit! Red lights oh, everywhere. Fuck, like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Also, if they, like, get a real AI, I hope they feed it, like, nice novels first or, like, happy things about humans. And, like, all right, by the way, we're also garbage. Like, <laughs> get a really good opinion on humans Basically, going Basically, like, make it watch 10,000 hours of Mr. Rogers. I was just about to say, watch Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Because, obviously, that is the... The purest of humanity. Equaled, yes example of kindness and goodness and then the robot's gonna be like i feel happy <laughs> and we're all gonna be like so proud of it although if like a robot one day popped on my screen was like are you my neighbor i feel terrified to be honest <laughs> <laughs> won't you be my neighbor <laughs> oh no fuck <laughs> oh god it's happening oh god i saw this coming <laughs> oh, oh the humanity not quite <laughs> Oh god. Okay. Did you want to say anything about drilling? Um, or I more about Lovey. I'm I'm going with Lovey. I just want to say I really like this. Is another one of those things where I liked the science. Like I loved the technical explanation of it. Yeah. Like that was cool. Cause I found it hard to keep up with it, honestly, which is a sign of a uh, a well developed sci sci fi to me. Um. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting. Cause that's actually something that's like I thought about before. All right, say we can punch oh. a hole through space-time and create, like, a tunnel of some sorts. Okay, but what next? Like, how do we know we're going to come out? And a lot of people talked about, like, well, we'll just punch and find out where we end up. And, like, punch through again later. Because theoretically, you just turn around and go back through the wormhole. Not a big deal. But, like, if you're right. trying to set up interstellar highways, that's useless. Yes. And so I really thought it was really – like, I loved the fact they're like, yeah, well, we found this way around it by using – like, you could do a blind punch by using these navigators – <clears throat> that are the cyanate pairs that can guide you through subspace. 
Right. Was that the whole thing with the navigators? I forget. So yeah. you could do normal punches without one, but if you were going to do blind punches, you needed a one. You, it's stupid to do any punches without one. You could do normal punch. You could do, I think they were called anchored punches. Anchored punches, yeah. And you could do those without. You also could do blind punches, but it's stupid and actually illegal. You would get lost in subspace. Yeah, like or like in a time now. eddy. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. That was very interesting, but, like... Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> oh, I was totally unfazed. Uh, like, man, they had my pulse racing during the punch scenes. Yeah, the punch scenes were very good. And oh, so good. I, I just thought it was a very cool touch, and, like, they solved this problem. Like, now, like, we have these super smart AIs, because at the end of the day, the hardware is going to get affected, too. All calculations have to get done ahead of time. And, like, would yeah, have to be... that's true. They would also have to be implemented before you even went to subspace. Because, like, at that point... Right, you couldn't react actively. Yeah, and hardware might not function the same way. You can't be certain. Maybe you'll get into an area where copper is no longer conductive. Like, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. actually one of my favorite sci-fi series has a, a this, this precursor race that all died out because they tried something too grand and tried to do this, like, ridiculous idea of, of like, large-scale, faster-than-light travel, and it broke the universe basically and changed how physics works so like oh my God, they were awesome. using conductors in their brains and like implants that the entire species had to do these things all the time that were no problem because it was super reliable but they tried to do this thing and like in their hubris they killed themselves because they made the conductors that were in their head completely non-conductive that's really interesting uh, yeah it's great and like i think about it a lot when i'm reading other sci-fi like how th- <laughs> how that effect would have because like in subspace you're right shit's weird time doesn't work all the s- same way all the time who's to say that chemistry and physics always work the same yeah the idea that Ohan's sitting there calculating by hand to make sure that they end up not just in the right place but the right time is mind blowing yeah that also thank you whisperer that comes into why he's doing it by hand because he can't trust a computer to do it at any level even like or drawing on a screen would be wrong so he comes in with like a tablet oh it's so awesome yeah it's great, and I think that's like Thanks, that's just a lot of foresight by Becky Chambers to think about, because I don't think he was doing it because like Ohan's like I don't need a fancy fancy calculator, I've got my no. tablet. I think he's doing it because it's the only way to be a hundred percent sure. I think you're totally right. So also like I hope we're not defending anyone with a pronoun game. We're just not good at yeah, it. Yeah, we're real also, bad at it. You could argue that we're thinking of Ohan as an individual and not as a pair, because that's how he ends up. That's true. Although does he end up as a girl? No. I thought the new girl... I thought the... I thought, Where did you get I that? I thought after the split, that person was a girl. I didn't know... I didn't know Ohan was a guy, like, biologically. I just thought no. it was them the whole time, and I could have sworn at the end, they are like, alright, and her name is so-and-so. And I was like, oh shit, alright, I guess he was a girl all along. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you talking about the, the, the solitary that they met on the colony? Because I was the only girl signing. I don't know. Shit, I read this That's book really like funny. A, no, like no, they ago. state in the beginning that Ohan is male. They just use the the pronoun they because of the whole pairing thing. Okay. The idea being that he, they're not an individual, so. I don't get why the pair the was crew necessary. uses they. Why can't he just be a he that can see in subspace or whatever? Like I don't understand why the well, pair was now. Essential. Now he is. You know, he is a he that can see in subspace, right. but because of the way that the um, sign culture works. Are they paired with the, the whisperer? Is, it's kind of you and the whisperer. Okay, so that's the pair. And I guess they can't assign that's a gender the pair, to yes. the pair, to the whisperer. They can't assume the whisperer's gender. Or no, it's not it's not anything about gender. It's just you are plural. 
I guess that's true. You are yourself and and the whisperer. You are plural. You are they. Okay, that's fair. All right. Um, is there anyone who really ignored? Uh, we talked talked about Kizzy, but we're really running out of time here. Um, um, Kizzy, Kizzy's great, but like nothing. There's nothing really. Talk- she's pretty shallow. <laughs> nothing to be honest. talking about. Uh, she's kind of like got it going fine. Yeah, Kizzy's got she had some trauma. Lock. She overcame it like a champ. We're very proud of her. Very proud of her. Yes. Um, Jenks is very interesting. I like his. I think the most interesting part about Jenks though is his mother. Yes. Working on like the human genesis yes. project and, and the impact that has had on his life. Yeah, how much he hates the idea. His mother's kind of a badass. Oh, totally. It was pretty badass just to be like one of those psycho guys to begin with. And then, what do they call them? Survivalists? What do they call them? I think they're called the guys are the I ones forget. that are like Earth, like you know, like very Earth centric. The survivalists. I <laughs> that was so funny. They're like, oh man, I made eye contact with the guys. That was so funny. <laughs> and Sistix is being all friendly, and they're just like, I'm here to talk to the humans. Yeah, that was <laughs> hilarious. It was like it was both funny and sad, but mostly funny because Sissix didn't seem upset about Cause, like, it. Because it's like the the stereotype and the trope about like uh, like some like the more mm, let's say aggressive missionaries. <laughs> yes, it was like that. Some trope. some types of people. Yes, no, exactly. It like was that. very funny. Uh, like some people are playing, give them the light of day, but yeah, exactly. Not everyone. Most people are like, oh god, the um, Gaius. Yeah. <laughs> But no, his his mom though for real. Like she's out there taking down mammals. I think it's interesting that Earth still exists. It's just like, I guess a ruin. It's like a, no, it's like a wasteland. Like we invi- the yeah. environmental destruction was total. But like there's still wildlife to hunt. So that's well, it's cool. a group. Of, they the way they described it was like they had man the scientists had managed to are like going piece by piece basically around the globe and rest- restoring ecologies. Uh, and so I think were they restoring them for the for those weirdos no, just or were like, they doing it because they wanted to restore no, they want to restore like humanity's homeworld. it's no, like a cool. it's like a scientific nice. research project also I bet it's like kind of cool to work on like maybe they're like terraforming terra firma yeah and they're that's interesting they're re re-terraforming I mean terra. yeah but they also have to like bring it back to the original and like bringing back to life extinct species so it's it's oh were they doing yeah, that too? Yeah, they that's were really cool. doing that as well. So I think what happened was that's really cool like work. An, honestly, that would be really yeah, interesting. I know. Like I think even if you have that technology down, doing it on like a new world would be a cool challenge. Yeah, you know, that's very interesting. The Galactic Commons has its problems, but I think at the end yeah. of the day, it's a a great force for good in this universe. Like yeah, it's corrupt, but what political entity isn't? Yeah, it does decisions. It makes decisions yeah, for true. its own self interest and to grow their wealth. But at the end, you know. Sentience will be sentience. Still better off with it than exactly. It. Otherwise, you're gonna have separate polities who are still equally as self-interested and equally as corrupt, going to war with each other because but they don't have they to get along. Issues. Yeah, exactly. They're not forced to get along because they're united. Right. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. So I. Uh, I mean, it, it does just seem like a a well, a realistically evolved society. Yeah, it's well intentioned. And the universe is big enough that everyone can sort of have their own place. Like, we didn't really get into modding at all, but the idea that, like, there are these sort of fringe colonies that, like, where people do all these, you know, crazy things to themselves, and that's just sort of part of the culture, and that's cool. Like, everyone just leaves them alone. <laughs> it's it's, it's just like LARP. I, I equated it in their society societal place to LARPers. Everyone's like, that's a thing. <laughs> and they're like, that's a little weird. I don't get it. And, like, maybe they get made fun of sometimes, but, like, they're mostly left alone. Like... I was like, that's. I was thinking that's like, a subculture. 
bikers. I don't oh, bikers! Know. I could see that they one. They seem kind of they seem kind of like edgier than larpers. Uh, larpers are fantasy. I guess edge. larpers are edgy. It's just a different edge it's than a, we're used a, to. It's a smoother edge. <laughs> smooth hairless edge. <laughs> smooth hairless virgin edge. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, I think that's probably it for me. And on that lovely note. Yeah, I, I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. So we're going to continue this conversation about AI into our next book, or should I say books? Dun, dun, dun. So while we are... <laughs> so while, yes, we are going back to monthly, this month we're going to do four books. They're just really small. <laughs> we are going to do the Murderbot Diaries. Now, full disclosure, neither of us is Where well, they could be awful, but they come to us So they could be awful, and legally you can't hold us accountable. But you know what? Patrick Rothfuss really loves them, and so do a lot of people. So we're going to go with it. All right, now, we have some extra credit reading for you. <laughs> there is an article of sorts. It's basically an article that was written by... Martha Wells, that is referred to as the book 0.5 of the Murderbot Diaries. Uh, that is called The Future of Work, colon, Compulsory. So, <laughs> we're not going to make you read that. So you can read that. <laughs> you can read it. If you want. But it won't be compulsory. <laughs> Peter, that was way too set up. Yeah, it was. But to be clear, Cece made that joke earlier accidentally, which was very funny. Um it was way funnier. And I stole it <laughs> and set it up for myself and then hit it, not like out of the park, but definitely like a double. Yeah, I think a double's fair. All right, so that's going to be coming <laughs> out. So we're going to do the, the four books that currently exist in that uh, series. Yeah, so that's... It seems like that's sort of the whole series, but I don't know. We haven't read them yet. We so. can, we'll find out soon, I guess. We'll all find out and together. Then maybe one month we'll get a really easy break and just do the three-hour the three uh, three hour book at the end. We'll do book five at some point. It'll just be three hours. <laughs> yeah, the three hour for book five. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, these are novellas, guys, to be clear. So, like, again, pretty consumable. Yeah, 12 hours. We've done books that are longer than that for this podcast. So, like, you should have no problem. And you also have a month. Um, and on that note, by the way, we are uh, releasing that on March 25th. Yes, so we'll see you guys then. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, if you haven't already, give us some reviews, share us on the uh, social media. <laughs> I don't know why I said that so weird. Usually you were like, yeah, social media. The social media. I think I was trying to um, suppress the obnoxious instinct to say social meds. Wow. I hate you a little bit. Like, and on that like note, our podcast meat? is over. Cece said, "Social like, media." <laughs> Just you know, when you start saying something ironically, and then all of a sudden, you can't not say it. That's one of those. So I'm trying to save you guys from that by talking. And I'm saving things. us from my ending <laughs> this podcast forever. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> If you want to get news about the podcast or anything else, we're going to really try to be more active on our Facebook page, facebook.com. We are both not social media people. We were just the other day being like, who's going to do that? Somebody (laughs) has to do that. Yeah, we are not good at it. We are just, we're trying, okay? We're trying. 
And you know what? I, I released a meme once. Wow, did you? Oh, I forgot about that. All right. Hey, uh, on another note. I posted exactly one Here's meme. what I'm good at. If you'd like updates or you want us to email you directly with a link whenever our podcast comes out, um, shoot us an email. And I'm going to start a mailing list if anyone actually emails me. And so we can do like an email release or uh, any updates like if we're going to be late by a day due to circumstances out of our control. Like me working a 13-hour shift last night, yesterday that almost resulted in, in uh, this this one, this podcast is very late-ish. Late in the day. Well, it's borderline. It's, it's getting late released day, by midnight, sure. but like you definitely would consider this late. I would consider this late if I was a consumer of this podcast. Um, Peter was without life last night, so we couldn't record I, it. I very time. much was tired. Anyway, so you can uh, email <laughs> us, though, at signifyingnothingnetwork at gmail.com. And so if you want to get keep up to date on any of our, uh, you know, goings and comings and lateness, um, go ahead and email us there. And I'm going to start a, <laughs> a mailing list that we can uh, be pretty consistent on, at least. There you go. Um, I think that's about Did it. Did we say who me? Murder About Diaries was by? You said Martha Wells with respect okay, to Okay, it's all about Martha Wells. Yeah, Martha Wells is the author of the Murder About Diaries. The first book is All Systems Read. Um, hopefully, with, between all that information, you can figure out the rest. All right, guys. <laughs> um, also, our website is sci-fi-sidebar.pinecast.co. You can go there. Uh, you can go and you can get a Audible link for some free audiobooks and a trial. Um, maybe you can get two of those four books that were uh, – or the no- two of the four novellas there and uh, save yourself some money. But anyway, um, so go ahead and do that. You can also find our uh, referral link at the bottom of our description of our podcast so if you're thinking about doing a podcast you're looking for a new pod host or whatever it might be um if you go ahead and hit that you get 40 percent off your first four months and then after your first two months uh we get some money basically towards our podcast uh subscription so actually a surprising amount of you have done that already so if you're a listener and you have your own podcast shoot us an email we would love to know kind of what you guys are into and what you guys are creating and um i don't know maybe we can maybe we could promote you to our very limited listener base but yep um, by all means um, but yeah so shoot us an email and we're happy to share yeah our, our, our glorious <laughs> glorious fame shed some of our starlight on this Listen, we've got <laughs> let's be clear we have oodles to spare like so much <laughs> i can't be clear enough about how much fame we have to share <laughs> all right guys we love you thanks for listening we'll talk to you in a month uh, this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar from the Signifying Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, guys. Have a good month. <laughs>